Hey, I'm Toby. And I'm Larry. Welcome to How Does That Sound? Five. This episode is a special episode because we have our first guest, um, our first ever guest, hopefully first of many. I'm actually very excited about this guest. Um, I think he's the perfect guest for start out our, our guest series. Why? Because of all the people that I know or that I've known, um, in the last little while, he's probably the one who is most mysterious. I think they so, already know who this guest is, but sure. I feel like you always assume that people that are listening to this podcast know our lives. But from the start, it's clear that I don't know anyone in Spain. So I have no idea who is that one person listening from Spain or Belgium. We have gone off point. Yeah, we have gone off point. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah, so our guest for today is Kara. And Kara, thank you for joining us. Very happy to have you on the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, I I am doing very well. Thank you very much. Um happy to be here considering recent events over the past <laughs> just for us. Do you want to go into any of that? Are you are you clear minded enough to go into it or do you <laughs> very much so? the TLDR was that I was supposed to be in Vancouver with your lovely hosts, but I was denied boarding on my flight, um, you know, due to, in my view, due to the airline not following their standards of operations, in the airline's view, due to me not being at the airport two hours before the scheduled departure time. So, you know, I'm still figuring that out, but yes. Are you choosing not to mention the, the airline's name because of like, Legal potential legal issues. <laughs> it's freaking, it, them. it is it is it is freaking flare airlines. And unlike most people who when they have issues, you know, it leaves a sad taste in their mouth for the airlines and whatnot. I am still a fan of flare airlines. I just think that it was down to the person at the counter. I know yeah. his name, but I don't wanna say yeah, yeah, yeah. his name. Yeah, we're all excited to have Kara too. Yeah, yeah. Like all jokes aside, like yeah, we're actually looking forward to the weekend having you in person here, and it sucks what that one person decided to do. Tomorrow um, we get to attend our Apple Festival alone. Yeah, we're gonna go to a festival this weekend. I was, here. I was so looking forward to. It. I even had a list of you know, like locations to to go and see four colors and everything because. I mean, autumn is my favorite season ever. And yeah, I was, I, was, I was looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, please do. Wait, but, but speaking of traveling, how many countries have you traveled to? Shockingly little. It's much less than most people would think that I've been to. And also, actually, how do people count the countries they've been to, actually? Like, 
if you stop over at an airport and spend like 24 hours in the layover there, have you visited that yeah. country or city? Does that count? Of course, I've, I've been on the soil. As long as yeah. I landed, as long as I'm not <laughs> flying, as long as I'm not flying over, I actually landed <laughs> and I even came down from the plane. For exactly. 24 hours, for that matter. I'm, I'm in the country. You're not in the country because if you didn't drive out of the airport, you're not in the country. I don't know. Where is the airport? Where is the airport? Is the airport in, like, in space? You know, but that's the word, the key word there is visited. You're on the side, you've touched the ground, you're in the country, in my opinion. So if you count that, just imagine accounting layovers. How many countries have you been to? Okay, so if I'm counting layovers, um, so, I've been to, well, I was born in Nigeria, so I don't know, do, do people count the countries they're born in? I don't know, I'm going to count it, I'm going to count it. So yeah, we can count Nigeria, it. Nigeria, Togo, Bene, Ghana, um, India. Um, India. Wait, we have to oh, talk I didn't about that one. <laughs> Finish, oh. we have to talk about really? it. Really? I know about India. Oh. Oh, cool. Oh, oh. I went to India, um, I always forget the year. I was probably in SS1 or SS2. So I think this was 20, sometime between 2007 and 2009, I think, sometime yeah. around that time. Oh, wow. I went to India. Yeah, yeah, like it was, I know like it's, it's super weird because everyone at that time, they all went to like UK and US yeah. and mm -hmm. Europe. And they'll come back in September and be like, oh, I went to, you know, Jan, Yankee. And then there I was yeah, saying that yeah. I went to India. <laughs> yeah, no, like it's still, um, ironically, it's still one of uh, one of the, one of my favorite trips ever. It was a family trip. Um, but I think it was, it was the way we did it. And it was my first time experiencing a totally different culture and the amount of time we spent there. So it was just this perfect storm of all those things that made that not only one of the best trips I've been on, the best countries I've visited, I do have to go back. Uh, but it was, also the, it, it was also the thing that sparked my desire to, you know, to go and travel and visit countries, not, not just for, you know, vibes and inshallah six, but to actually like spend, spend time wherever yeah. I go to, right? Because for some reason, my dad said that we won't do hotel or resorts for for the two weeks there. We're just going to go to different... There wasn't Airbnb then, so I don't even know how you found the places, but different, like, I don't know, hotel, motels, or stay with friends, because he had an Indian friend. So, like, it yeah. was it was, it was was super cool, actually. It was super cool. Oh, that sounds nice. And they're very communal, yeah. Like, so they, like, culture, yeah, it would be very great to experience. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I rode, I rode elephants, rode rickshaws. I saw the Taj Mahal. I took a train oh. from like one city to one city. Like I did a bunch of stuff there. Whenever I think back to it, of course yeah, there was no pictures. I was about to say that it was a simple <laughs> time when <laughs> when cell phones weren't rampant and everyone. Yeah. Was oh my God! This that that. So, is there a photo album in your your family house in Nigeria that have some pictures there? Pictures do exist. I think I have. I think we have one in our house here. I have to go look at that. But pictures do exist. Not a lot. Yeah. There's. I think there's there's three that I can remember. One, one of all of us outside the Taj Mahal. One of I think it was me and my sister on an elephant. 
and then another random one but they are shockingly few few photos of that which i guess yeah. is understandable considering the time that we took that trip you just told us on india like i wouldn't think about visiting india anytime <laughs> so but now i feel like you should add it to our list it's such a huge such a huge country and you get yeah. and i think when you go from different cities like my memory is you know I'm, i mean I can't remember everything, uh, but I do know that, you know, you visited New Delhi, for example, it's more urban, more like a mega city. Then you go to, you know, Pune or where the Taj Mahal is or like Bombay or Mumbai. I forget what it's called now at that time. And it's also different. So right. I recommend India. I need to go back as an adult to actually spend a good two weeks there and just uh, yeah, experience some more. So that, was, so that was number, that was country number six. Oh, you counted. That was country was number counting. six. Okay, country number six. Um, so India, Ethiopia is one of those ones that has an asterisk because I was just there okay. for a layover. So that one is one of them. Um, into Ethiopia, yeah. France, France also an asterisk was a layover. France upset me because I spent twenty four hours at the airport. And back then, I didn't have a visa or my Canadian passport, oh, so yeah. I couldn't leave. And it was just it was just upsetting because it was Paris. I could have just dipped out for at least six, seven, ten, twelve hours. Um, yeah. yeah. Then I've been to Mexico, Dominican Republic, the U.S., Canada. I go back from Costa Rica just before summer finished. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. So how many is that? I'm counting thirteen. Thirteen. Which is which is yeah, which is sizable. Which is I mean for Kara, I guess why he's I now understand why he said you think it's a lot. You expect that but then you expect how much you reach up. I guess you travel a lot within Canada and then now you're yeah. going out more. Yeah. No, but I think yeah. I think like considering considering like the past decade of your life, for example, like most of it on Show was in school. Yeah, most yeah. of that show was like from one busy period to the next. So that's still yeah. like sizable. I've gone to only like two places on that list. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure you've gone to more than that on that particular list. I've been to it's okay. all the African countries, or except Ethiopia. All the African countries you mentioned, I've definitely been there. You've been there. Yeah, all the African countries oh, except I've, Ethiopia. I've been to Ethiopia. I've been to Kenya. I've been to Sudan. Yeah. and I've been to France. That's I've never tried Sudan to count on many countries, but Canada. I'm sure it's not up to 13. So I've come to only five places. Yeah, I'm probably around there too. <laughs> Maybe five or somewhere. Oh, but I am, I am aggressively working to double that number by, by the end of yeah. next year. Fingers crossed. So you just got back from Costa Rica. Um, yeah. And I know you have some plans to go to some other places soon. How do you prep for a trip, especially when you're not going to a group, you're going by yourself? Yeah, solo travel. Um, how do I prep? Um, I'm very, uh, I'm very cost conscious. I don't have unlimited funds, unfortunately. So one of the first things I, <laughs> one of the first things I consider is, uh, you know, is is the cost of living wherever I'm going to, right? Like how much, how much is going to cost in there all in, and you know, does that make sense, uh, for my for my budget, right? Um. How I go about costing things is that I, you know, 
I really look at, I look beyond the cost of the tickets and the cost of accommodation. And I focus more so on like the day-to-day cost of being in there for the amount of time I'm on there, right? And it's still a learning process. So, but that was one thing I took away coming back from Costa Rica, right? Um, that the cost of food, depending on where you are, it can, it can add up. And when most people come back from trips and they go through their bills, um, I'll bet you that if they itemize what they spend yeah. money on, the cost, the what gets them isn't the cost of the ticket or the cost of accommodation. It's just the cost of actually being there that most people more often than not tend to um, underestimate. So getting better at figuring that part out is going to help people who are trying to budget to travel. So for myself, yeah, getting the tickets is like the most, is the first thing, you know, that anyone should do is the first thing that I recommend anyone do buy a ticket first. At least that way it's on your calendar, it's on your radar, you're ready to go. And then everything else, I think people, I think you don't need to worry too much about everything else up until probably around six to seven weeks before before you make the trip. So in my case for Costa Rica, that one is a bit of an outlier because that was a snap decision. I bought that like four weeks, I think, before, which was super, you know, which is which I wouldn't advise anyone do because tickets are too oh, yeah. expensive. Um, but I bought that that early, and then I think I booked my accommodation the week or so after that, and then the rest of that just involved me just looking at different experiences and trying to plan that out. Um, y- you have to. I find personally uh, on the trips that I go on and the ones I go with groups of people as well, we have way more fun when there's a plan of activities of what to do, right? Like um, when I think of my time in Montreal with friends or Dominican Republic, um, it was just because there was a plan that we had of things to do, right? It doesn't mean that we did everything on the list. Um, you know, ironically, some, some, some of the most uh, fun days were when we went off plan, but at least we had an idea of what it is that we wanted to do and yeah like i think if if you do those things um you're you're setting yourself up to have a great trip wherever you go especially as as a solo person as well um you know there's other things you know like you know i think a lot about where i'm gonna stay um i look i look at the reviews i look at you know things like safety crime rates etc the point about crime rates is that people just overblow uh, what the crime rate is at certain places. They over... Exaggerate. They yeah, exaggerate. Yeah, yeah they, they exaggerate the, the crime rates there. Um, in my experience, I don't know. I'm, you know, I just think that if you're sensible... You just have to learn the right time. <laughs> yeah, not so much the right time, but like if you're sensible and, yeah. I mean, like you don't, you don't do what you wouldn't do at home in a different country. Yeah if that makes yeah. sense, right? Like most people know the, the tips to keep safe, like in, you know, New York or, you know, Toronto, like yeah. cities that have dangerous places. So, you know, keep the same rules wherever you are. And more often than not, you shouldn't have any problems. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Yeah. So I'm sure, like, I'm sure you get this a lot. Like people think, oh, um, you just have a lot of money because you travel almost <laughs> every other time. But like, <laughs> From what you're People saying, have like, always you know, thought. Like, it sounds like you have like a plan. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. Because I'm sure like everyone's like, I have money. That's like, <laughs> yeah, people, 
people have always thought that <laughs> that I earn like way more than I actually earn, which is which is just ridiculous. Somehow they get that idea. I don't I don't drive a flashy car. I don't wear <laughs> flashy things. So I, I guess it's just because they see me travel that they assume that. Uh, no, like yeah, like like I said, I have a you know I have a plan. I forget what 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 year it was, but uh, one of the first things that helped me be able to you know, travel as much as I can without having to rely on, you know, credit card debt and things like that was learning how to budget money, right? That was the that was the first thing. Um I think for most things in life it boils down to your own personal discipline. And for finances, personal finance is very important. Being able to, you know, have that. And also being able to know what your goals for money and stuff are, right? Um when people ask me about things around finance, I tell them that if you don't have an idea, you know, what it, it is that your money is for, you have a much harder time trying to save for whatever it is that you want to do, right? Because you, you, you have to know what the goal is. So so from from when I was making way less than I was now, I've always been putting money aside for for travel, whether that was five, ten. I mean, the point where it was literally just like, $30 or so a paycheck, right? But I was putting it aside like somewhere, right? And it's a habit that has built up over time. So every paycheck I get, every gig I do, like some of that goes towards a fund for travel. The same way some of that goes towards a fund for all, all my other um, responsibilities that I have in my mm-hmm. life, right? So that is how I save. Uh, something else that has helped me also is being able to take advantage of other things, right? Most especially things like, you know, points or like um, yeah. grocery points or my PC Optimum or um, what's it called? Or credit card points or my Amex card, right? So just being able to also use those things as well to my um, to my advantage. And yeah, that's just really, like I, I tell people that, you know, people have things that they like to do and, and spend money on, which is great if you want to, you know, uh, drive a nice car or you want to spend your weekends you know like um, doing XYZ that costs X amount of money that's fine I know what I want to, to spend my money on which is primarily traveling before anything else at this point in my life anyway so I just you know focus put my focus on that and sort of plan around that and Kira sounds like he's a like he's a very down to earth traveler like he's not going to travel to the luxury like no. flashy, like you don't sound like yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's those are going on vacation. <laughs> you have to go with the sky and the water, the color of the sea. You know, you know, it's 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 something that it's something that I was thinking about the other day, right? Like, yeah, what what really is traveling, right? Because sometimes when I talk about my aversion to doing all inclusives or luxury stuff. I don't like talking about that because I feel like I'm sounding a bit elitist or looking down on people that do that, which which isn't fair. People have different reasons that they want to travel, right? Um, yeah. For me and for some of my friends that I travel with, um, we all generally don't think that we want to go to a different country to just like you know lie down on the beach all day or just get like bottomless drinks. Uh, most of the people that I travel with regularly, um, they have that mindset, right? It, it, it doesn't mean that they don't do that. I have a friend that just got back from, I think she went to be Bahamas, right? Which was an all-inclusive. So, like, it doesn't mean that they don't do that, but, like, more often than not, 
um, they are always down for what I like to call not not, not adventure travel because I'm not doing skydiving stuff yet, but mostly like um, experience traveling where right? you're nice. just trying to stay, experience like what some of the locals might do and 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 try and not mix too much with foreigners when you're when you're you know in a place. Are you, are you documenting these experiences? Man, that's. That's another thing. Um, I I think for every trip I've been on, I do have clips, videos, photos from them. Um, I did a terrible job of collating them together and sharing them, which I'm going to work on. But when I was in Costa Rica, I, you know, this this couple people that I shared a space with uh, for about a week, you know, speaking with them, I got I left the feeling that I need to really think about how I can document that right. Which ironically yeah. enough, I'm thinking of something, you know, maybe like a podcast or something like that, just to be able to share some experiences because, um, you know, you travel, you meet people with different life experiences and also with similar thinking as you as well. And, um, yeah. you know, I just think that listening to where people come from and some of their stories and some of their hopes and dreams, like it's, 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 it's always super. It's always super interesting, and when you, whenever I come back, I think that's part of the emptiness I feel is that um, um, it's just a longing for uh, for a desire to experience something that's out of the ordinary. If that makes sense, that's 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 out of your regular routine, right? Um, that's just beyond just you know staying staying in. In your home and seeing, seeing the same things over and over again, and hearing how other people um, see the world and and how they approach life and the things that matter matter to them, right? And I can say that uh, that you know, if people travel and take a step outside of their comfort zone to try and interact, it's you'll be amazed the kind of story that people have to tell. At least I have been. Uh, from the people that I've spoken to, especially when you've traveled solo, I think I think everyone should, should travel solo at least once in their life. It's 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 yeah. a remarkable experience. You you talked about money earlier, and mm-hmm. like one of the main reasons why you're actually on this podcast is to talk about your career as a photographer, yeah. and you also are a product manager. But specifically to photography, how much did you save to buy your first camera? My first camera, uh, my actual, actual first camera, how much, I didn't save for that. Literally, my father sent me upkeep for the month and I spent, I think I spent pretty much all of it, if not, yeah, I think I spent pretty much all of it on my Please first camera. Basically, <laughs> I was a resident, so I had like a milk car, so I, I technically didn't starve, but I was light on doing anything else. Uh, no, I got that. That time, I think it was two hundred fifty dollars. I think, but really? what happened was that yeah, what happened was that I bought the camera, but then before the camera came, it was from Amazon. Before it came, I spent the next two days looking up cameras and decided that what I got wasn't what I needed. So I already processed the return before it came, and then actually got what I wanted. That one cost significantly more. 
I'm not even sure how I saved for that. I can't I can't tell you how how I got that. I assume there was some credit card debt involved. I, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, that was how I got my first camera. But how did you, like, what made you actually buy a camera? Like, how did you think of it? Tumblr. Tumblr. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Like, you used to upload pictures like you're an avid Tumblr user. Uh, I didn't upload pictures. I was really? more of a yeah. creator. So, yeah. I got, yeah, like, I had a, yeah, I had a ton of. I think I had like 40 something thousand. 40 something thousand followers or sub- subscribers or whatever they called it at that time. Can't remember. Yeah. But yeah. All I did was just like reshare, you know, reshare content um, at the time. But I I fell in love with like the photos that were on Tumblr, like the aesthetic and all of that stuff. And that was that was what made me pick up a camera for the first time. Which yeah. ironically, I didn't end up shooting photos more like the ones that I like doing. I went mostly into portraits than than the landscape stuff that I was a fan of. Yeah, but like, did you think like it was going to take you anywhere, or you're like, no, let me just do it? No, no, no. no. I, you know, I didn't think it would take me anywhere. You know, honestly, I don't think it has taken me anywhere yet. Uh, but it's taking me somewhere. Uh, which is better than going nowhere, um, of course. Uh, but no, like I, you know, I didn't think it's something that people would, you know, pay pay money for, right? Um, especially the ways that uh, the, that that I was charging before I took a break this year. Like I didn't think that you would get up to that point. Yeah, I'm still. Shocked that Tumblr was the reason why I picked up a camera. Honestly. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I was Before that, I didn't like you know taking photos. I didn't like being in photos up until Tumblr. Yeah, yeah I need, I need, I need Tumblr was a drug because I would spend maybe an hour or two a day just looking through pictures or videos yeah. or posts, resharing them, and so I'll, then I'll be like, "What am I doing? What am I just like?" It's the way people spend time on TikTok right now. Yeah. I feel like that's how I spent on Tumblr back in the day. But uh, it's good that something good came out of that for you. Uh, so so you mentioned that you do portraits or that you started out with portraits. But I yeah. know you do weddings now. And you do, I've seen you do landscape too. Is there like a preferred photograph, style of photography for you? Yeah, I would say for me, the default has always been like portrait photography. I think, you know, if ever think, if, if ever I think that I want to, I don't know, reset or do something that I think is, you know, more so for myself, it almost, it's, it's almost always going to involve, you know, me asking someone to be like, hey, can I take photos of you, you know, and shoot, take portraits, you know, stuff like that. So I think that's, that was really my first love in terms of taking photos, and I'm not sure that would ever change. Sometimes I don't like that it's my first love because I'm an introvert naturally, and and yeah, what? I'm an introvert. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> Do you know the definition of introvert? I know the definition of introvert, and I don't know sure? why everyone laughs when I say that. Yeah, like I'm an like. I think I'm pretty introverted. I don't like talking to people. I need, I need the spectrum, so I feel like yeah, like you're on this, you're on this set, on the spectrum. You're closer to an extrovert than like a melancholy introvert. Anyway, the mysterious introvert. 
I don't think I'm running because, like, like honestly, like, 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 um, there are very few people that I can stand talking to for an extended amount of time. Like, uh, like, yeah. the best way I can describe it is that I would much rather be alone most days, and when I'm in a crowd of people, my battery drains low. Like my battery drains extremely fast. Like I have a high, like like I have a very low tolerance of being in, in a group of people. I feel like you, you also mean that physically, actually, because you know when I know that the call is over when I'm speaking to you, is that you start to yawn. But I know you're not sleepy. No. I know you're not necessarily no. tired. I feel like physically, like your battery, like you said, like is getting low as well. Like so, I don't know if it's like a physiological thing for you that you just yawn. I don't know if you know that you yawn. When the conversation is over, I, no, but I don't think you just go. Okay, I have to go. No, you actually young. Like you actually young. Like I always know. Like when I was in person on the phone, I always know when somebody's young, the conversation is over. Here, of course, you. But it's not the same way he wants to. You not say, okay, guys, I have to go. I'm like, bye. Thank you. Yeah, that's fine. Like, um, the one, the one, I'll, I'll just digress for a bit, right? Because I don't know if people know, but me and Toby were actually roommates for a couple of years, and. There was a period where we had a bunch of our friends uh, living with us for, I think, about three or four months. I can't remember. But years, years after that, I was having a conversation with one of them. And then she was talking about, you know, some of the times that we had during that period. And then she mentioned how it was always funny where I'll be hanging with everyone in the living room. And then suddenly I'll just stand up <laughs> and then go to my room and sleep. <laughs> yeah. And, and it would be like, maybe you stand up to go and get something. Because no one would think... So you can be in the middle of like a very heated conversation and all of a sudden you just stand up. So you think maybe, maybe he's going to the washroom or maybe he's going to pick up something. You don't think anyone will leave an entire conversation just like that and just go sleep. Like maybe they'll try and get to the conclusion of the conversation first before they walk out. So he'll just walk into his bedroom and then like 30 minutes yeah. will wait. Wait, so this, I think no, it was actually like that because Karen is so we see everybody goes to sleep and Tony Karen. Yeah, I just did that too. Yeah, Karen knows how to end like when he's done. Like, I like it. Like, you don't feel bad. You don't think no, it's a good thing. So, are you saying that being a photographer forces you to, I guess, move yeah, away like, from being an introvert as much? The one thing I like about going into taking photos is that. I learned I learned a bit how to how to start conversations, how to hold conversations, how to keep people talking, right? Because especially in the beginning stages, I was wondering how to reach yeah. out to a bunch of people, mostly mo- mostly ladies, right? To be like, hey, can I take your photo, right? So, you know, I just had to learn that doing that, right? It wasn't always the easiest thing to do, but to build connections with people, you, you do have to care about, you know, the things that matter to them and the things that they want to talk about, right? So, so you, you have to learn out. how to do that. I I used to zone out, but no, 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 not 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 anymore, right? I try to be very particular when people are yeah. listening to me. I think it's called active listening. So yeah, you, you have to learn that, right? So that that way you can be able to speak with them, talk with them, and you know, be able to recall things that they've said and be able to also offer your own insight as well. So yeah. you know, learning that was yeah, like it wasn't the best but actually i do think that quite a number of photographers are actually naturally introverts at least from some of the people that i follow and speak to they all seem to they all seem to fall on that spectrum but 
I don't know, it's, it's a small sample set, so perhaps it's, it's different in the larger field, I don't know. Hmm. Photography sometimes can feel intimate, like yeah. capturing someone, yeah. especially portraits, right? So I understand that you have to like help them feel yeah. comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I would, uh, yeah. Especially if you're working with women as well. Um, but I know yeah, you don't because... only work with women. You sound like you use that as an entry point. Am I right? Uh, yes, I don't only work, work with women, but primarily, I think uh, okay. women make up a, a large part of my clientele, right? Okay. And, you know, and, and why I think it was important for me to learn how to speak with people and how to make them laugh, especially, is because, you know, there, there's a huge difference when someone is interested in the shoot and what's going on and when they're having a good time versus versus when they are not, right? When you're telling them directions and it's not engaging enough, right? And most of it is down to the fact that you haven't found a way to get that first laugh out of them, like that first genuine laugh out of them or find a way to just at least connect with them or, or with, with with something, right? So, yeah, so, yeah, you know, I just had to, I just had to learn that, um, you know, and I think that for the, for the most part, you know, most people that, that I shoot, they tend to come out of that thinking that, yeah, they they had a good time and it, it was fun. And, you know, it was a hobby for me at first. So, you know, at the end of the day, beyond doing the good work and all that stuff, I think I I care more that people just have have fun on the day. Okay, so you're dealing with, yeah, you're dealing with men and women, right? But primarily yeah. women, right? How, like, how have you had to navigate keeping boundaries? Like, you know, you don't want to know what's like, happening in life. And then have you had, like, anyone come and then they're like, crossing boundaries, like personal boundaries because like oh you're being friendly with them. Well in your head it's like I'm just trying to do this for this shit. <laughs> Let's not think beyond this. And the person is uh, yeah. No, no, thankfully thankfully I yeah. I haven't had that. I'm someone that's I'm I'm very, very particular about the words that I that I say, yeah. that I that I choose, right? So I make sure that I'm not using anything that could be misconstrued as trying to be, you know, um, flirtatious or trying to give like an opening or something like that, right? Like I'm super careful to avoid doing that um, <laughs> because because the, the last thing the last thing I would ever want to go out is that you know this person is some sort of creep operator, right? So. I'm super careful to avoid doing that, especially knowing that sometimes I'm working with people who are younger than me considerably, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's very important for me to, to, to choose the words I say wisely, to choose the compliments I give and how I deliver that to them, right? Especially during the shoot as well, right? So so that's very, very important. Um, and and I think in doing so, I've, I haven't really had, you know, that that much of a of a boundary problem and i hope to never have that because that would just be a ridiculous thing to have to <laughs> to deal with um yeah and you know and then also you know when i speak with people like like i do like i do actually have a genuine interest right when i'm when i'm when i'm speaking to my clients to try and understand them and get them in a good mood to shoot photos right whether it's for personal use or for an agency or for a birthday or whatever right so i do try and have genuine conversations more so because now i'm more and more curious to learn more about different people's background and stories and experiences and things like that so you know so i think me just having that natural curiosity also helps let them know that yeah this person is just really here to 
to just you know have a good time and talk versus versus anything else. I I want to understand something because you you mentioned that when you first started you would call people and be like, hey, can I take a picture of you? Um, yeah. And then I'm guessing you use that for your portfolio. How what what that your strategy starting and how well did that work for you? And would you advise someone who's starting like a photographic career or some kind of visual art career to like try that approach? I wouldn't say it was a strategy, but it ended up okay. being one. For me, it was out of the fact that I love taking photos. Right? Like at that time, I really wanted to learn and improve my craft. And I wanted to do that. Right? I didn't care if people were going to say, you know, no, or, or turn me down or whatever. Right. So, so I just generally just wanted to take photos, take, take good photos, improve them, try out concepts, do personal work, etc. And that was why I did that. Right. But in doing that, it was also an effective way for me to get my name out there, right? Because yeah. uh, by doing that, I was shooting more photos that I liked the way I, I wanted them. And that led to more people re- reaching out to me because they liked the photos and they wanted me, me to shoot photos that were in a similar way to the ones that I've shot before. So, you know, so of course that that helped really, you know, get my name out there and, and, and get people knowing that, hey, this guy shoots photos, portraits, this kind of way. And... You know, if you want something that looks like that, you could go meet him and he can be able to do that for you. What made you start charging? Because like, oh, this was a busy hobby. And then why would you just start charging? Because, you know, some people, I've heard people say that when something's a hobby and it becomes big, you know, it's, you get a struggle. It doesn't it's like a whole, yeah. Yeah, so like, how did you even start charging in terms of how i started charging it was you know it, it was really because people saw my work they saw me taking photos and they were the ones that actually offered to pay me you know x amount right and you know that was it right and then i would then charge people based off of what i was paid before and then it took a while for me to figure out you know what i, I thought was a comfortable price you know for my for my time and for the work that's involved right and then i set it at that and then um you know just kept going on and on right because 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 I didn't have that aha moment where there was a hard like I don't know where there was a hard period where I went from hobby to being paid, it was more of a gradual thing. So I wasn't the best prepared to you know figure out how to how to make that work for myself, right? So it took a while. So it was after I was well into getting paid for gigs that I that I sat down and said, okay. This is how I would want this to go. This is how much I would like to do stuff in a week. Um, um, th- this is how much I think is, is a good amount to, to project to get paid in a month, right? Um, and then I sort of, you know, worked worked towards that, right? All of my outreach and marketing, they've all just been organic through word of mouth and social media. So, so you know, I knew that to get to those goals, I wanted to post X amount of times like a week, I think it was about twice a week or once a week. I can't remember, right? Uh, but doing that just yield the same results. So, right? so for like three, for like three, four years, I could really see, see. I, I think for every month through that time, I could see what I was getting of just increase like month over month and year over year. But you know, at that time it was it was really. You know, there was a period where it was really like a like a second full time job almost, because you know, I would I would be if I wasn't working, I'd be shooting. If I if if I wasn't shooting, I'd be 
editing photos that I have to deliver, you know, and rinse and repeat. So I, you know, I had very, very, very little time during during, during some of those uh, some of those days. Something I did a bad job of of doing I was protecting the why I got into taking photos, right? Protecting the the passion aspect of it, right? Even now, self so from probably for like a year or more, maybe. Uh, I haven't taken time to shoot stuff for my own personal gain, right? Where there's no money involved, like it's just missing an idea or concept and trying to execute it, right? So you, so for me, I sort of lost that passion because I just got into the grind of like it's almost like a like a template, right? Like you shoot, you you edit, you deliver. Over time, like I got good enough at the shooting part and the editing part that it just became like second nature to me, right? I knew what to do, how to do it, you know, the lighting you see. So it just came rinse and repeat. And then in that in that process I lost some of the passion for it, right? And I noticed it because I was getting less and less happy during the shoots, right? And that was because um, I was losing more and more of the joy. There wasn't enough of a, of a balance between doing this as a as a as a hobby and as an outlet versus doing it as something that's purely for work. You went way too much in, in, into the work aspect. When that happens, it takes a long time for you to recover from that, and that's still something that I'm working on doing, like bringing it back to where I feel that the passion is still there, and I can start working on getting a good balance between them. I think for people that have a full-time job, as I do, like I have a career outside of photography. Uh, so for me to have that career and then be take on photos that period of time where it was also like a second full-time job. Yeah. For me to have that, I don't really have, because suddenly my evenings were no longer fun-filled, you know, hitting up friends or people online and taking photos and this stuff and doing random stuff it was now more so doing it but like the pressure of i have to make sure make sure that i'm getting the right shots for x y and z right and and for us that have to do those two things i think you are more prone to losing the passion if you don't really if if, if you don't really juggle it right there was a point where there was a point where my where my income from photos was more than what, what what I was getting paid for at my at my day job at the time, and while that was nice, he made me confront a couple hard questions like, if I'm at this point, do I really want to go into photos full time, and if I don't, it's 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 not very healthy that that I'm in this scenario because that's gonna strive, that's gonna drive me to try and achieve that month over month. And to get that, when I looked at the amount of work I did that month, it wasn't something that was healthy. That mm-hmm. was healthy in, in you know in any way, right? So, um, yeah, protecting your passion when you're when you're going from a hobby to to a side hustle or a business, I think is super important to do, especially especially for people who are who are who are um creative. Yeah. One of one of my I, I wouldn't say idols, but one of the people that that I have a huge respect for in terms of what they've accomplished in their careers is Frank Ocean, and there's and there's a couple things that there's a couple quotes that he has said that has always stuck with me. Right, uh, one of them is you know the idea that he doesn't want to be siloed into doing just one thing, 
right? Just being a singer at the time, right? That that he wants the ability to, to be able to express himself in different forms and mediums. And I think, and I think that was why I resisted at the time trying to make a pivot into doing photos full time, right? Because I do think that I could have done that and 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 had a real go at that, and more likely than not, become very good at doing that, right? But but I also think that. I would have really suffered from a from a happiness and creative standpoint uh, in doing yeah. that because um, I know people who do photos full time. I know people who do like self um, self employment and being an entrepreneur full time, and I think you do it's more than just the things that you see. It's more than just the output that you see. Be that photos, videos, products, it to see the the whole mechanism that goes behind that requires a lot of work, a lot of preparation, a lot of sacrifice to do that, right? And you need to ask yourself that, are you at the point where you're ready to do that? And and society has made it seem like the answer to that question should always be yes. And I strongly disagree with that. I think that, I, I, I think that it's okay if that's not a step that you want to take, right? I think that it's it's okay if it's a step that you maybe want to delay for a while. I think even just last summer, this summer, um, I was in a similar position I considered it because I felt like a writing project would definitely make it more than my like my, my my day job and I was really considering should I just do it. And I also came to a similar conclusion. One of the main things that I thought about was that if I put so much pressure on the writing, on the writing project, it would frustrate me and I could like lose out on something there. I could lose out on, I could become less passionate about it. I could become like just yeah. stressed out about it. That it doesn't feel as fulfilling as it does, like in the way that I do it now. Um, but yes, I, I actually resonate with that a lot. But it doesn't necessarily mean like it's not something that you can do um, full-time later you, you have multiple career paths and this is one of it when you're ready to explore it fully also you guys are also hard workers because to be honest it's not easy to juggle two, two things at the same time like no that's been like uh, I'm, I'm like i'm listening right but i'm also being on like having full-time nine to five and then something like as care like photography and then writing like having to work with people and then i'm sure it's like back to back to back like you have to do the work well you have to deliver well it's not easy it can be very so me that's why some people and as i said society right it's just easy for you know why don't you just step out and do what in the long run will give you more money than working for someone else so me that's why people make those choices well right? I, I definitely feel people that are entrepreneurial and full-time hard workers too I feel like it's a lot of work. I definitely know it's a lot of hard work. I, I don't think one is greater than the other in any way. I think. No, yeah, I, I think, think it's like both of them though. Doing both of them. I still feel it's hard work. I think uh, both both scenarios are like in their own unique cases very challenging. If you're doing it right. I think the same too. But I would say that you go through cycles where your energy and time is spent more on one than the other, and depending on the kind of things that you do. It might affect the output that you have, which is not a bad thing. I think even if you do nine to five full time, you're going to have cycles where your output is diminished by X, Y, Z reason. I've moved on from the idea of thinking that one kind of work is 
is you know is better or or requires more work than the than yeah. the other one. I just think that it just requires a different things from you, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I I I would still enjoy doing jogging both of them because I like that I'm doing something different when I log off my day my daytime job and when I wake up in the morning I'm also doing something different, right? It keeps me from being bored. I feel like we have to bring you back to dive deeper into product management. That is deserving of an entire episode on its own. Kara, thank you very much for being our first guest. Um, this you. was a fun conversation. Before you go, we have some very quick, rapid, final yeah. questions to ask you. Um, one, what are you currently listening to? In terms of music or anything, podcast? Anything audio. It can be a podcast, it can be a song, anything. It can be an audio book. Uh, in terms of music, I would say I have had uh, Numb Little Bug by M. M. Benhoff. I don't know her name. I forget her name. But that has been, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I found the song like last week and it's, it's been on repeat. So okay. yeah, that is, that is what I'm listening to. Yeah. What, what genre is it? I don't know. I think it's like what? I don't know. Pop? Indie pop? Thank you. I might check it out. What are you currently reading? Again, it can be anything. It can be a book. It can be an article. It can be anything. Yeah, my reading life is a shame. Well, right now I'm reading a case study that I have for my MBA program. So that's what I'm going to be reading tomorrow. But, you know, it's not too much fun. It's very dry. I have a copy of uh, Sandman, the graphic novel by Neil Gaiman. So I'm slowly making my way through through that it's much better than the first episode of the netflix show, show that came out so far um, okay i feel like you just there with you just there with sandman instead of um, the nba <laughs> yeah, you know, that one. yeah yeah i know um and then yeah and then there's a couple product management uh, books that my that my boss uh sent my way to check out so that is something nice. that i also be yeah, right now, I don't know if I should rate you weirder than Toby. Or right. Because <laughs> everything that you're just calling, I'm like, the only person that listens to weird artists is Toby. Now I'm adding Indie pop is not weird. Indie pop is... Yeah, Toby has great taste in music. music. Thank you very That's much. Like he just needs more Afro beats in his life. No, so, I, I, I don't think I need more. I think I have a decent amount. No, I think Lego gold is, is good enough. How many times do you listen to this song? Like once a year. So, <laughs> when, when, when it comes to, to the city. Yeah, you need more. But I think I have a very weird, like, genre. And then, yeah. What are, what are you currently watching? Can be a movie, a TV show, anything. What am I watching? Uh, I just oh I'll say this I just finished finished watching, Enter Galactic, it's a new uh, rom com animation on Netflix. Thank I it's think awesome. I'm I would recommend that to anyone to watch. It's super good. Kid Cudi wrote, it's directed, no romantic comedy, right? I didn't know it was a rom com going in. If I had known, perhaps I I wouldn't have watched it. But I I didn't know. But it Is was it so good that I stuck. No. Which is good. It's not very cheesy. So that's something I watched recently. For TV shows, I'm always watching Boss Boss Burgers on repeat. So that's always a staple. 
Say that again. Bob's Bob's Burgers. Okay. I'm always mm-hmm. watching that. Like that's on repeat. You, you're not? Okay. Oh my god. No, no, yeah, no. yeah, you guys should watch it. Please watch it. It's, it's where is it? Yeah, where is it done? Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Okay. Disney Plus. Yeah. I'm actually I'm actually going through on Disney Plus. I'm actually going through like the entire MCU. Like we started with Captain America. Well, first yeah, of all, the so fact like, that you say you started with Captain America tells me that you don't know enough about the MCU. So no, 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 no. We're going to the actual timeline of, of no, we're going to the actual timeline, the current timeline. How are we doing? Not not the beginning of everything. Um, like the current like, timeline. Well, we actually went and we looked for the research and we found all the well I did. Chronological order. Oh, okay. Yeah, chronological order, like the storyline and everything. So, but yeah, and then for TV shows, non for non-animated TV shows, um, uh, I'm I'm about to finish Rings of Power. And I I just knew. I had a feeling. <laughs> I was waiting. Hey, keep going. Sorry, I to Oh yeah, and then and then I'm I'm gonna wait for House of Dragons to wrap up, and then I will binge watch the whole thing at once. Oh, so you've never even said I was gonna ask you which one is better in your opinion. But oh, no, I'm, pretty sure, ha- I'm, I'm pretty sure House of Dragons is gonna yeah. I haven't watched I haven't watched Ring of Fire. I I I don't know, I just I had I saw a couple of reviews, I'm like, I don't even want to mess up through this. Plus um House of Dragons is, is enough of a one hour T V show in a week. For <laughs> a one hour TV show. Where's the last place you bought an outfit. What was the outfit you bought? I don't buy clothes often. I'm often looking at my wardrobe. I honestly do not remember. What what I can say is that when I was in Costa Rica, I picked up a local jersey for one of the the teams that plays there. I don't know the name of the team. The jersey the jersey just looked good, and I picked it up. So I guess that's the last piece of clothing I bought. That I can and remember. Before that, it's probably before COVID. It's probably, been, it's probably been months. No, I, I wouldn't say before COVID, but. Uh, if, but that's good though. That, like you wear everything you have. <laughs> like you wear your item, right? And I was just telling a friend of mine that I need to call out my wardrobe today because I, I, I think that there's a ton of stuff in there that I don't. I don't need like the the other day I found out that I had like a bunch of outfits that I haven't even touched in years and they're all good and I was like what's going on here? So what, yeah, what do you call that? Decluttering, what do you call that? Yeah, you want to declutter You're yeah, learning. You need to declutter it. <laughs> what's the what, what's the thing? Um that lady on Netflix uh does this Condo? Um American Condo does this Marie Marie, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay thank you very much for um again being the first guest in the show we hope you enjoyed the conversation and for everyone listening thank you for listening um please raise the show leave a review and share with your friends that's honestly the best way to support the show and also check kara's work on instagram is andal is Kara Amor, spelled K-E-R-H-A-A-M-O-R. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.